listening to Reading Glasses, a show about book culture and literary life designed to help you read better. I'm author and book devourer Mallory O'Mara. And I'm Bria Grant, filmmaker and e-reader. This episode, we're talking about why authors use pen names. We mm. People have been have written, they, love, they want to talk about this. We're going to solve the mystery. We're going to solve it. But first, what are you reading? I'm listening to Ooh. a book called The 90s by Chuck Klosterman. Oh, um, I've been listening to it for a few weeks now. Wow, this is a great book. I grew up in the 90s. I was a teenager in the 90s. And um, this book kind of covers everything. It's something I really struggle with because the 90s, we believed in a lot of different things than people believe now. Some, some good, some bad, you know, and it was of the era. Things were of the era. I mean, we talked a lot about selling out. Mm-hmm. We talked a lot about- The worst um, thing you could do. Consumerism. Uh, which is different, I think, than capitalism. And we talked about, yeah, now selling out people. Selling out is- The 90s would hate Instagram. Oh, my God. Well, you just, yeah, it would be, so, yeah, Gen X would just shun that completely. And I'm not Gen X. I'm not quite old enough, but there's a lot of things I identify with from that era. But um, basically, he goes into all sorts of stuff, everything from, um, you know, Ralph Nader to privacy. I mean, we used to list our names and phone numbers in the phone book. And you could just go look up anybody's phone number, call anybody you want, and they had to answer the phone because they didn't have caller ID. Like, I mean, just things and how it sort of changed culture. Um, How there would be more people watching any random episode of Seinfeld on, like, a Thursday than watch the finale of Game Game of Thrones. Mm -hmm. Like, there was just less to watch. And so just how important things like that ended up being culturally where we all talked about the same thing. Anyway, it's just been so fascinating to think about it and... He has, you know, some general theories about it, but also just goes into things and talks about how things were very different not that long ago, mostly because of the internet, but then because of other technological things um, and just the way media has changed. And oh my God, the way our, our cell phone, just being able, the the thought of when, in the 90s, of being able to contact someone at any given time. Oh, wild. Mind-boggling. Yeah, totally wild. You had to, like, make a plan with someone. You would meet them there at that time. If you didn't show up, you were screwed. They were screwed. They were yeah. just screwed. They would have no idea. Remember Maybe pagers? you would call the restaurant and be like, could you page this person and tell mm-hmm. them I'm not going to be there? But it also is like theories about like what this meant for the broader culture and like the things that people believed so full spirited in the 90s that now I think some things we have a better understanding about. I th- think some things we probably should have held on to. I think mm-hmm. there's certain things that I think that, you know, uh, certain parts of culture that I wish, wish we were less bought into. Um, uh, so anyway, but it's not, if for, that's just my own personal opinion. He doesn't really have a take either way on on what whether it's good or bad. So um, I just love it. If you are a, a student of history, I think this is a fascinating look at pop culture from that era. Hmm. Um, what about you? What are you reading? I am reading an arc of a book that comes out first week of July, mm-hmm. and I picked it up off of NetGalley's 150% because of the title. It is Night of the Living Res. by Morgan Talty, and it is a book of short stories that is absolutely fucking fantastic. And it's, uh, all the stories are set in this native community in Maine, and they're, like, these really, if you are really into, like, literary fiction, these stories are just these, like, beautiful and sometimes sad and sometimes really funny, just, like, slice-of-life stories set in this native community that, like, really talk about um, friendship and hope and superstition and family and um you know just trying to make it and trying to survive and it's just really really good um I have been having a hard I've talked a little bit 
a few weeks ago on the show. I've just been kind of book slumpy lately. Mm-hmm. I've been having a harder time. And I started this um, this collection the other night. And I immediately read like a quarter of the book. Because the stories are just so, so good. And so, so compelling. And I'm enjoying it so much. So if you love um, if you love short story collections, I would pre-order this one right now. It's uh, Night of the Living Res by Morgan Talty. And mine is The 90s by Chuck Klosterman. So we want to take a moment to share some listener feedback. Folks, we got so much feedback on reader-non-reader relationships. Ooh. Oh, wow. So wow. many people and wrote the in. are people writing back readers or non-readers? Well, for, if they're, for us, mm-hmm. they'd be readers. readers. Okay. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but there's a lot, of, uh, a lot of interesting things. Shannon wrote in to say, while my husband enjoys a book or two a year, I'm definitely the reader, capital R, of the relationship. He's the best reader companion for a few reasons. One, he's the interior decorator and curator of the home, and I love his style. Two, he loves the way books look, and he's talented at picking out books with beautiful covers that are also really good books. I reap the benefits of him finding beautiful books for the shelf by both having a cool bookshelf and having an additional selection of books to choose from when starting a new book. When I go to the bookstore and come home with a stack, I often will leave them for him to work into the bookshelf artistically. Oh, wow. Wow. What a great symbiotic relationship there. Oh, my God. Can you... Can your husband start a business of like book organization for people? Can he come to my house and yeah, fix my house? Can I pay me? your husband to come <laughs> over and organize the books that I have? Amanda wrote in and said, I've been married to a non-reader for three years and have been with him for nine years. While I love to read, he does not. And honestly, it's never been a problem. When I read, he plays video or computer games or watches a show he likes. We sit in the same room, sometimes next to each other, so we are spending time together, but doing our preferred activities. It doesn't bother me that he doesn't like to read books. However, he does read many articles online about technology, current events, and other items of interest. He has picked up a few books in the past, and I've recommended a few to him, but I never pressure him to read. He asks me about what I'm reading and is always interested in what I have to say. When I, we want real quality time together, we share our interests and complete projects around the house. So Love cute. It. Love it. Adorable. Uh, B wrote in to say, my partner and I have been together for 12 years and married for five, and I'm a voracious, obsessive library user, print and e-reader, and audiobook listener. If there is a book in any format, you better believe I'm reading <laughs> and listening to it. My partner has that special brand of grad book school trauma, so they don't read much in their free time. We get this. Trust me, we get this. Mm-hmm. The benefits of being with a non-reader. I agree wholeheartedly with everything you already said in the episode. My favorite part of my day is reading on the couch after dinner while my partner plays a video game or watches TV. It's the best kind of alone but together time. Another thing that's great about being with a non-reader is that they are much more pragmatic about book buying than I am. <laughs> they often remind me that I don't need to buy those five books. I can get them from the library and then buy the ones I actually loved reading. Mm-hmm. I loved telling them all I love telling them all about whatever I'm reading and using all the spoilers I want because I know they won't read the book and I'm not ruining it for them. I get full use to the library card, the Kindle account, and it's the best. I mean, yeah, this is all good stuff. Yeah, yeah. These are all the positives. I love these positive reader-non-reader relationships. Mm -hmm. Sometimes I I do feel that. Well, I want to tell Jeremy what happened in a book and he's like, don't tell me I might read that. I'm like, when? (laughs) When are you going to read it? I got to talk to you about it. (laughs) Uh, You want to read Bee's Wheelhouse? I do. Anything with Baba Yaga. Nice. Nice. Cozy cabin atmospheres. Magical slash moving houses, which I'm going to say is also possibly falling into your Baba Yaga love, but you know what? Fine. You separate them. Um, Haunted houses, magical forests, haunted or not, cults, religion, invented religions, paganism versus monotheism, post-post-apocalyptic or apocalyptic with many timelines woven together. Love it. 
So you can email us at readingglassespodcast at gmail.com if you want a list of all the books we talk about on the show delivered to your inbox every month. You can sign up for our newsletter. There's a link in the show notes. Um, and another bookmark. Remember, folks, <laughs> Maximum Fun Drive is coming. Put on your cartoon pants and your suspenders. <laughs> Don't let them droop. Mallory, what does it sound like when they droop? Oh, don't let that happen. Turn that smile upside down. The max fun drive is coming up. Wait, other way? You mean that frown? Oh, Oh, well, (laughs) yes. Uh, Next week, folks, next week, Maximum Fun Drive is starting. We're so excited. We have so many fun events planned. We we have so many fun goals that we want to do. Monday. It starts on Monday. It starts on Monday next week. Holy shit. Less than a week. Oh, my gosh. So next week, uh, if you... Love the show. If we've helped you through the past year or two or three or however long, if you want to support us making it every week, we put a lot of time and energy into the show, putting it out every single week for you. And you want to support us uh, and help us make it, help us stay independent and mm-hmm. do whatever we want with the show. This is the best time of year to do it. You can get into the Slack channel. You can help us get towards our, our goals and all the fun events that we want to do. And you get cool stuff. And it's Monday, April 25th. If you join that day and email us, uh, send proof of your membership at any level. doesn't matter what level it is. Or you're upgrading whatever. Maybe you're already a member and you want to upgrade another dollar or two a month. Send a proof of this to readingglassespodcast at gmail.com. And your wheelhouse or your uh, uh, reader pathway, doorway, we call them both things. And we'll send you we'll send you a personalized book rec and we'll do an Instagram live. Mm-hmm. Um, 6 p.m. Pacific time on our Instagram at Reading Glasses Podcast. We will start, we'll kick it off. We'll be doing personalized recommendations. We're very excited. Um, this is the most fun week of year for us. We get to do all kinds of stuff. We're gonna be doing a live Zoom hangout with with you. Yes, with with the, with the subscribers. With you. We're really excited. If you want to get involved with that, all you gotta do is go to maximumfun.org. Check it out. We're really excited. Yeah, so get join. If you join on Monday, first day of the drive. Now, we'll do this throughout the drive, but Wait, I'm going to suggest. Wait, no. <laughs> I, the, leave all this in, Sean. Just leave it in. Leave it in. The slide whistle <laughs> will be on the Instagram live. The slide whistle will be there. Will be there. And if you join, just send us those wheelhouses so we can give you a personalized recommendation because we want to know what you want to read and we want to tell you good books. Yes, we're excited about it. Uh, so before we talk about why authors use pen names, we're going to take a quick break. Reading Glasses is sponsored by BetterHelp. People don't always realize that physical symptoms like headaches, teeth grinding, or even digestive issues can be indicators of stress. Y'all know you're experiencing some of these. And let's not forget about doom scrolling, sleeping too little, sleeping too much, undereating, overeating. These are all things you do when you're stressed out. And guess what will help with that? Therapy. BetterHelp is customized online therapy that offers video, phone, and even live chat sessions with your therapist. So you don't have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to. It can be much more affordable than in-person therapy, so why not give it a try and see if online therapy can help lower your stress. Y'all, I am a big jaw clencher. That is how I know I'm stressed. I will realize I'm clenching my jaw. My jaw will start to hurt, and then I'll get a headache, and sometimes my stomach gets upset, and then I know I know that I am stressed out. You know what really helps is talking to someone, and not just someone, but a professional. Therapy has been very helpful for me in talking through 
all the stressful things going on in my life. And it doesn't even have to be something big. It can be something really small. Or it can be a life change. It doesn't have to be a negative thing. I've had a lot of positive life changes that have helped, that therapists have helped me to go through. Reading Glasses listeners get 10% off their first month at betterhelp.com slash glasses. That's betterhelp, B-E-T-T-E-R-H-E-L-P.com slash glasses. Glasses. Max Fun Drive 2022 starts in just one week. Monday, April 25th. We'll have exclusive Max Fun Drive gifts, awesome episodes, bonus content, and you know what else? You'll just have to tune in. We have some tricks up our sleeve. Sleeves? Tricks? Is it plural? We'll catch you next week. The greatest time to support the podcasts you love. Max Fun Drive starts on Monday, April 25th. Don't miss it. This week, we're talking about pen names. Why do authors use them? What is up with using initials for a first name? Why do some authors not want to use their real names? We're going to get into it. So first off, before we decided to do this episode, the only thing I really knew about pen names was that a lot of female authors used to and still do use initials to disguise their gender to help their book sales. Mm -hmm. uh, the thinking goes that if boys or men don't see a female name on the cover of the book, they'll be more likely to pick it up. And I don't know if this actually plays out in real life, but a lot of publishers use the strategy. Obviously, the most famous one is Scholastic asking if they could do it for the Harry Potter books. So it would appeal to both genders. I know we talked about doing an episode on gendered books at some point. We really need to do that. I, I literally, when you wrote, I saw that you wrote this in the notes and I was like, what do you mean the Harry Potter books? And I was like, oh my God, her name isn't JK. That is wild. JK, that's not her name. JK, JK is not her name. Nope. Um, and I've actually heard of male authors doing it the mm -hmm. other for, yep. the, for the other reason, writing un under a female or a somewhat uh, uh, a gender neutral yeah. uh, uh, pen name. Um, to attract a female audience, especially if they write um, mysteries or yeah. things that are considered more in like a feminine type genre, which we know doesn't exist. But we understand <laughs> that this is a thing a book publisher yes. wants. Um, for example, Riley Sager is one that I know who, uh, because that's not his real name. And I actually remember when the first Riley Sager book came out, I think it was the Final Girls. Mm -hmm. There was some controversy about it because people were grumpy about it. Yeah, yeah. Um, but men also will use uh, initials as well. But there are other reasons people might use pin names, which we're going to get into. It's not mm -hmm. necessarily this gender reason. Yes. One is that they're already an established author who wants to try a different genre. Um, famous example of this is Agatha Christie. Uh, she did this when she wanted to write romance and picked a different name. Um, maybe an author doesn't want to disappoint the audience in their established genre, so they use a different name with like no expectations attached to it to go into another genre. And that's pretty common. Yeah, another reason is they don't want their author lives and their personal lives uh, to co-mingle, co if you will. Mm -hmm. um, maybe they don't want their whole, whole office to know that they write really fun erotica on the weekends. Uh -huh. Or um, maybe they're a pediatrician and they, they write horrible, murdery horror books and they don't want their, their patients to know that. There's a lot of reasons that authors may want to keep these li their lives separate as uh, they start their careers or, or, even, or later in their careers. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, some authors might feel like they have to. Um, 
maybe their name is John Smith yeah. or some very popular name and they feel like it'll be easier to find their books online if they use a different name. Imagine if you wanted to write a book and your name was Danielle Steele or yeah. like Tony Morrison, yeah, yeah, but Tony yeah. with a Y. <laughs> you know, it was like an Italian guy named Tony Morrison who's like, oh no, I'll never be able to write a book. Um, a lot of authors will change the name, their name or the spelling of it so it won't be confused with another author. Yeah, you know, this is a problem. Uh, uh, I'm in three different guilds now, but in SAG in particular, that guild, which is Screen Actors Guild, when you join that, you have to send off this. I'm sure it's all done online now, but I'm old, so I did it on a piece of paper. Uh, but I sent off this piece of paper that said, uh, what is your preferred name? Because if there is someone else with your name in Screen Actors Guild, you have to put a different name down. So I had my first name, second name, and third name choices. And yep. I could have not ended up with Bria, Bria Grant. There's not another Bria Grant, so I... She's like, I found the only other Bria Grant. And, Bria Grant, and, and I also threw her in actor. the L.A. River. Yeah. <laughs> um, so you have to join with a different name because I it has to do with, like, credit, the way they do credits. Yeah. And That's why a lot of people use, like, have three names. Yeah, exactly. That's why a lot of actors have three names. Or actors, you see them change their names, and you're like, why did that person... Why did they go by this? But in real life, they go by a different name. Uh, it's, it is a screen That's actor's why, Jonathan Taylor Thomas. Is that really what? No, I don't know, but okay. I assume <laughs> I assume Jonathan Thomas is probably a pretty common name. Oh, sure, sure, sure. That makes so, sense. So, but now we I mean, I think maybe if he got you he got so famous, he could probably go by Jonathan Thomas if he wanted. Just go by JTT. JTT. Mm-hmm. Uh also some books are written by multiple authors who write under one name. Um The Expanse books are a great example of this. Um they're written by James S. A. Corey, which is actually two authors, friends of the show, Ty Frank and Daniel Abraham, um, who are both amazing writers, but they just uh, I should ask them this. I don't know why they write under... I'm sure they've answered it at some point, but I don't know why they write under one name. I like that because I think yeah. it's less confusing to people. I, I mean, I don't know why, but for me as a reader, I think, oh, this if there's two people's names on it, there's some, um, I feel like, more celebrity writers who have written with an, an additional author. And I always think to myself, that other author did all the work. And so you probably <laughs> don't want to like question about who's doing the work. It's just like, this is one guy. One guy is doing this work. One person is doing this work. I do like to imagine them like they become James S.A. Corey. A Voltron situation. Like they put their power rings together yes, and they yes. morph into one giant man who mm-hmm. writes the Expanse books. But I don't, I, that's probably not what happens. Time to write. Um, <laughs> and then the last time person. to write. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why that's so funny to me. Uh, uh, like I don't want them. I don't want to morph with you right now. Um, the last reason is some some authors might be trying to restart their writing career. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe they released some books and they didn't do very well, and they want to have a fresh start with a new name uh, that has no books or bad reviews connected to it, which is understandable. Uh, so, so there's a lot of reasons for people to use pen names. Yeah, I don't. I I don't know many authors who have totally changed their names. Like, oh, actually, you know what? Maybe Ty and Daniel do this because Daniel Abraham has his own book series that's under Daniel Abraham. Oh, totally. That's probably So why. maybe I do know some authors. But you know what? I guess we wouldn't know how many. Maybe there are lots of authors with secret names and we just don't know. Yeah, and it's also that weird thing when you look them up and then a different name comes up. Like, um, you know, I I, I love uh, T. Kingfisher, mm-hmm. who... Uh, it's also Ursula Vernon. Yeah, yeah, who, who has multiple names. Mm-hmm. Um, and... I didn't realize that until I until I started looking up those books. Yeah, there's another um, there's a series that I really like, Bre- Breed. 
Breed and Brood. There's these two horror books um, that I used to talk about on the show a lot. They came out, I think, in like 2014 or something. But they're written by Chase Novak, which is the pseudonym for like, he's like a journalist or something. And I don't know why he chose another name to write horror books, but maybe that was it. Maybe he's like, oh, I'm writing. Oh, I could see that. I'm writing creepy books now. I got to come up with a new name. So no one people I'm... think it's like journalism that he, he yeah. was, you're like, this guy has been exploring vampires in his journalism. <laughs> I don't, you don't want people to confuse your real life stuff with your fiction true um yeah i guess i i think maybe a lot of us are reading authors with pseudonyms and, and and initials and pen names and stuff than than we we really realize yeah for 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 sure i think it wouldn't even dawn on you um there's another one i like um claire north i like claire north's book that's not her real name no Catherine webb claire north is a great name um and i don't remember why i actually looked this up uh at some point but i don't remember she also writes under Kate Griffin. Huh. I, and I think it might be because she's prolific in multiple genres, genres and decided to oh, write Oh, like Shauna McGuire and Mira Grant. Yes. That, yeah, uh-huh, uh-huh. Oh, huh. Yeah, see, it's, it's pretty... Man, I, I want a pseudonym. You can have one. Anyone can have a pseudonym. It is, like, it's the idea of coming up with, like, a cool name that you pick yourself and then coming up with a new signature. <laughs> I don't know why that's very a cool. A new to... signature? Yeah. Is your signature really specific? I mean, for Mallory O'Meara, it is. Uh-huh. But it would be cool to, like, come up with a new one for your new name. I will tell you this right now. I do have two signatures. I do, too. Okay. Yeah, you Most should. authors do. Um, because if you you don't want someone to be like, oh, I, I got a signed copy of Girly Drinks. Time to forge some checks. That's what, I mean, that's <laughs> why I have one as well. But I don't think that's as big of a problem anymore. Because no. how many checks are getting forged? Someone forged a check for me. My bank would be like, um... We know this is forged because Bria hasn't written a check, check in 15 years. <laughs> Either Bria's dead and her ghost is writing checks or someone has taken their name. But yeah, I, I wonder what my pseudonym would be. Would you ever do this? Um, No. No. No, not really. I mean, I um sometimes go by a different name on sets because people forget how to pronounce my name. This is a big problem. For me, people, I know. I'm the boss of the set, and people literally forget to pronounce it. It's fine. Let's say uh, Brea. Let's say Brea. Or Brie. Like, it, got, it starts, people, and then I can tell it's, like, happening because one person says it, and then everyone starts to feel insecure about it. And I don't correct people as a, um, I do correct them, like, once, and then as sort of a power move, I quit correcting them. <laughs> but <laughs> um, I will, I do tell people they can call me B on set. Huh. And but the problem was, I told someone I was like, if you forget, you can just call me B. And they're like, but then you're gonna know I forgot your name. And I'm like, okay, so now I need you to say, but just call me B, so you don't even have to think twice about how to pronounce it. Because here in Southern California, people may not know, but Brea is a street. La Brea is a street, so people mm-hmm. mispronounce my Means name. Tar. Mm, yeah. <laughs> Old Tar Grant. Oh, Tar. <laughs> <laughs> huh. Yeah. I always correct people when they mispronounce my name because it happens all the time. Mallory? No, my last name. Oh, 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 oh. <laughs> I was no. like, how are they pronouncing it? Mallory. 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 <laughs> but every what people say, Mallory O'Meara. Mallory. And oh, I actually, geez. if you look at my website in my in my bio in my press kit, it literally says it's O'Meara, like O'Bara or Para. <laughs> yeah, mine's on my Instagram too. But I, you know what? It's fine. If people mispronounce it, I'm not worried for me. I'm gonna start thinking about my cool pseudonym. Come up with one. I'm gonna I'm gonna come up with some romance books. Nice. Can't think of a cool name now, but I'm going to. So you can send your thoughts to reading glasses podcast at gmail.com before we solve a book tech problem. We're gonna take a quick break.
So you've probably heard about microdosing. If you do a bit of searching on the internet, you're going to find that all sorts of people are microdosing to feel healthier and to perform better. Just do a little Google. See what people are using microdosing for. Think about the problems you're having and maybe it can help or just the lifestyle that you're living and maybe you want to enhance that. So our show today is sponsored by Microdose Gummies. Microdose Gummies deliver perfect entry-level doses of THC that help you feel just the right amount of good. So microdosing and the concept of microdosing is often associated with psychedelics, wellness, performance enhancement, and creativity. But it can do a lot of other things. It can give you a boost for your creativity, but it also can help you sleep. It can also help with anxiety. It can also help with pain. There are so many reasons to microdose. And if you are having a problem or want to know what it's like, this is a great way to jump into it and test out to see if it is right for you. So microdose is available nationwide. To learn more about microdosing THC, just do a quick online search or go to microdose.com and use code GLASSES to get free shipping and 30% off your first order. It's a great way to jump in, free shipping, very little commitment. You can see if it's right for you. Maybe you're writing your new book. Maybe you want to read a great book and you want to relax with some THC. This is the way to do it. Links can be found in our show description, but again, that's microdose.com, code GLASSES. Glasses. If you're sick of constantly arguing with the people closest to you about topics that really aren't going to change the world, we're here to take that stress off of your shoulders. We take care of it for you on We Got This with Mark and Hal. That's right, Hal. If you have a subjective question that you want answered objectively once and for all time for all of the people of the world, questions like, who's the best Disney villain, Mac or PC, or should you put ketchup on a hot dog? That's why we're here. Yes, I get that these are the biggest questions of our time. And we're often joined by special guests like Nathan Fillion, Orlando Jones, and Paget Brewster. So let Mark and Hal take care of it for you on We Got This with Mark and Hal, weekly on Maximum Fun. Now let's solve a book tech problem from one of our listeners. Renee writes in, I'm hoping you can help me with a bookish question. I started listening to the pod a couple weeks ago and it inspired me to get serious about tracking what I read. I found a personal library app that I really like, Bookshelf Your Virtual Library, for the books that I own, but I need something separate to track my reviews since most of the books I read come from the public library. Goodreads would be perfect if it weren't for the social component. I want to be able to record what I thought of something without worrying about being insightful or interesting. And I know that for me, the satisfaction of remembering how I felt about a book will not outweigh the stress of writing my opinions for public consumption. Am I doomed to physical book journals or is there an app that will keep my book thoughts private? Bria, what do you think? Uh, I think Mallory is going to have a great (laughs) suggestion for you that she's dying to tell you. I was actually looking up to see if you can set your Goodreads to private. And I do not think you can. Um, I, we, I think we've talked about this before on the show, and that's why we, we recommended um, different versions. Yeah, go go for it, Mallory. <laughs> oh, she's excited. She's excited. <laughs> uh, I wish trumpets were playing right now, but I'll have to settle for the slide whistle. Um, Renee, you need to get Book Buddy. It's basically my husband. Um, it's a book tracking app that has no social component. I love it so much. It is my number one favorite app. 
You can record all kinds of information about the book when you put it in there. You can create your own lists. I make one for each year and I track all the books I read. And then the star rating, um, it's so handy at the end of the year when I can organize it by the rating and see all my five-star books. There's a little like note section. So if you want to record a little review and I get it, like it, I remember when I was on Goodreads, like very, very early on, I, I think I reviewed like very small amount of books, but you do, you feel a pressure to be like, Ooh, mm -hmm. I need to be eloquent. And I need to say something when I really just want to be like, eh, this book had some dragons in it. Was yeah. it like, you know, I, I, I don't, you, after you just finish a book, your brain is all emptied out. You don't want to be thinking about how mm -hmm. to be we also are like i don't want to maybe you're sometimes just writing it for yourself you don't because social yes. media is so it's performative know, it's, yeah 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 and i i 100 get the 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 feeling where you don't want to be performative with your thoughts you just want to have them for yourself and you want to be able to to look back at them and just write something that is useful to you mm -hmm. um and that's where book buddy can come in but i will say one of the tough the tough things about book buddy is i don't it does not work on android i think it is an um Apple only app. Oh. Um, so if you need one for Android, I think Libib, L-I-B-I-B, -I -I works for that. Um, I, I have not tried it out, but I think it's a similar thing. Um, and we can also link to the episode where we talk about book apps that we did years mm -hmm. ago. Mm -hmm. We reviewed a bunch of apps for that one. Yeah, I bet there's new ones. We should probably do a new we should do, book app. Yeah, app. we should do. Book we, app app. Yeah, folks, if you have, besides BookBuddy, um, which I clearly am, Married book, to. book buddy why have you not paid me <laughs> <laughs> book buddy why are you not sponsoring the show or like sent me a cool book buddy hat or something uh -huh, uh -huh. book buddy get at us please um but if you folks if you have book apps or tracking apps i know a lot of people in the sh uh who uh listen to the show use spreadsheets mm -hmm. um i've seen some pretty cool spreadsheets but if you have an app or something besides a spreadsheet or a book journal that you um that you like using please let us know and we can tell Tell Renee and all and, and everyone else who's interested. Um, uh, if you want us to look at some book tech or solve a book tech problem for you, you can send it to readingglassespodcast at gmail.com. Time for a recommendation request. Lizzie writes in, I have a five-year-old son and I've always had books for him that are like feminist books. Books about how girls can do what boys do. I need suggestions for books that show boys being okay with their emotions. It seems like we're doing a really good job of teaching young girls how to embrace things that were traditionally not very girly, like being brave or smart or powerful. But I haven't seen books that are for boys that encourage them to embrace emotions or ask for help to take care of others. Do you guys have suggestions? Well, I went to one of my friend's children who is a boy who's very in touch with his emotions. And uh, his dad wrote me an email about him with his suggestions. Wow. So, um, uh, I'm going to tell you what those suggestions are. I would say he is great. He's going to be, if there is a boy who knows the answer to this question, it is going to be him. So for little kids under six, they're recommending um, The Bad Seed, written by Jory John and illustrated by Pete Oswald. It's about a sunflower seed who wasn't always bad, but was traumatized after he was almost eaten. And then he became a bad seed. It just sounds very cute. Um, uh, until he learned that he was ready to be happy and take things one day at a time. Oh, what an I want to read this book. He still has bad days, uh, but he, he also does a lot of good and nice things too. He's not um, a bad seed anymore. Um, for kids a little bit older, like 8 to 11, 
There's a nonfiction book called Guy Stuff, The Body Book for Boys by Dr. Kara Natterson, which contains age-appropriate but accurate info on puberty, body changes, growing, etc., including, obviously, some big emotional changes uh, that come along with growing up. Um, it's definitely make sure that um, uh, kids' parents are, are in on it. Um, if you're going to get this for your child, um, this is this is what his dad said, uh, because um, it ha has a lot of puberty and sex ed stuff in it, but very good book. Um, for fiction, they, uh, they are recommending um, Hatchet. This is him and his father, of course. Hatchet and, uh, by Gary Paulson. It is a classic young boys book. Great for girls, for non-binary kids. I read kids, that book when I anyone. was a kid. Oh, really? Yeah, I remember Hatchet. I, it was, I think it was, wasn't it one of those like survival books? Yes, where, like, about a 13-year-old who survives a plane crash. Yes, and yes, I remember this book. It was one of those books that came, that everyone read in the 90s and we were all concerned about like having to survive in the wilderness. Yes, this is, I was so concerned about having to survive in the wilderness oh and I God. spent so much time thinking about how I wouldn't know what plants to eat. Yes. Um, Oh, okay. I totally remember this book. Okay. Well, what um, my friends are saying is they think that this book is a great entryway into the emotional benefits of reading fiction. Uh, because sometimes you can put yourself in this fictional setting with a relatable protagonist and it can help you navigate emotional turmoil, especially in this obviously very harrowing experience. Um, uh, and my friend says it does very well in some of the existential questions a preteen might face. And then he also, um, his father, not uh, uh, not the younger person recommending these books. I'm trying not to say his name because I didn't get permission. Sorry, I'm sorry. Mm -hmm. I should have gotten permission. I don't know what I was thinking here. Um, um, uh, recommends Calvin and Hobbes. Oh. Because uh, he was like, it's it's really good for kids and it's like talks about how the world is really like an absurd place. Mm -hmm. And obviously... Um, you know, I have a lot of nostalgic for it, still nostalgia for those books. Um, but him saying that, I was like, oh, right. I do feel like it is sort of about like how kids are different than grownups and, but kids have a lot to offer the world and school sucks. Uh, and I'd rather be playing like sit around like in the snow and stuff. But, um, I, you know, it's kind of like a lot of feelings about life, mm -hmm. which I think is a really fun, and, and it's comics, which I think kids yeah. would, would like. But those are all those suggestions, which That's thank great. you so much to my friend, um, my friends who recommended those. Uh, Mallory, what do you got? Uh, my recommendation for this is Me and Marvin Gardens by A.S. King, uh, which is a perfect for a pen name episode. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. I, what's funny is before I realized what her full name was, I thought it was like a fake name because it's like A.S. King is asking Oh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's her real name. Her uh, She writes all her middle grade books under her real name, which is Amy Sarig King. Mm. Um, and that's what this book is, is middle grade. I love all of her books, but her, so her YA is under A.S. King. Her middle grade is under Amy Sarig King. And so this book, Me and Marvin Gardens, it's this amazing book. It's about this young boy. He's very concerned about environmental issues and he doesn't want other kids making fun of him for being so sensitive. Like he's very, very concerned. He's like very like an open, like a big hearted kid. Um, and he has a lot, uh, he has a lot of turmoil about like, you know, cause he doesn't, he recognizes that he doesn't want people to think he's not cool because of this stuff. Uh, he ends up finding and befriending this like strange little creature who eats plastic. And then he inspires the main character to like figure out how to stop pollution in his neighborhood and kind of come to terms with the fact that it's okay that he's sensitive about these things and it's okay that he cares mm -hmm. and c caring is really cool and expressing your emotions and concerns is really cool. Um, it's so cute and it's so fun. And the protagonist, uh, you know, he's already very in touch with his emotions and it, it's showing him kind of 
learning how to deal with big emotions and being okay with having emotions. It's such a good book. Um, I asked uh, my boyfriend who reads a lot of YA in middle grade and he was like, yes, this is a great recommendation. Um, top quality. I love this book so much. Uh, so that's Me and Marvin Gardens by A.S. King. And I named a bunch. So you'll just go look at those. They'll be in the show notes. <laughs> if you want us to answer... Oh my God, we're almost at the end. Uh, so if you want us to solve your reader problem, you can send it to readingglassespodcast at gmail.com. As always, we want to thank the wonderful mods who run our Facebook group and Chrissy and Rachel who moderate our Goodreads page. Remember, if you want cool reading glasses stuff, you can get it over at our Void Merch store. We love it so much. There's a link in the show notes. And if you like the show and want to do something for us for free, you can rate review us on where wherever you review podcasts, whether that's Apple Podcasts, Podchaser. There's so many. Oh. I, I don't even know. Podster? Pods. I just made that up. Stitch Fix? Uh-huh. No, nope. that's, that's a clothing thing. <laughs> Stitcher? Stitch something, pod stitch, stitch gas. Master Masterses, we don't know. Where are you reading these pods? Wherever, wherever you're getting your podcast from, please review us. And it really, it helps us. It helps us reach more listeners. You can email us at readingglassespodcast at gmail.com. Find us on Twitter at readinggpodcast, on Instagram at readingglassespodcast. Thanks for listening and thanks for reading. reading.